Now let's consider the book of Amos, and this is the fourth of seven books in group one of the prophetic books. Now you'll recall that there's four groups of prophetic books, and we consider them chronologically in the book of, in Ben Ware's book. So this isn't following the order of the books as they come uh, in the title page of the Bible, but this is the chronological order. So we've gone through Obadiah in 845 B.C., Joel is 830 B.C., Jonah is 780 B.C., and now we get to Amos, who was prophesying around 760 B.C., and we find ourselves on page 204 of Benware, looking at the book of Amos. This is chapter 26. And let's see the outline. First of all, we have a four-part outline, the visitation of judgment, chapter 1 and 2, the declaration of, of charges, chapter 3 through 6, the warning of judgment, chapter 7 to 9, chapter 9, verse 10, and then the restoration of Israel. And let's look at Amos. We'll start off on the introduction, page 204, left-hand column. Evidently, Amos was a humble individual who'd spent most of his life caring for someone else's sheep and cultivating the fruit of the sycamore tree. He was not trained in one of the schools of the prophets, which had been started in the book of Samuel, uh, by Samuel, sorry, in Amos 1 through 7.14. He was from the southern town of Tekoa, which was located 12 miles south of Jerusalem and was a defense city to protect Jerusalem. You see that in Amos 1.1 and 2 Chronicles 11, verse 6. Amos's dates uh, were in King Uzziah's reign and Jeroboam II of Israel. Uzziah of Judah, Jeroboam II of Israel. And Uzziah ruled from 787 through 735 B.C. and Jeroboam II from 790 to 749. So a date of 760 or so is given for the book. In the days of Amos, the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom, was still in their false worship of the golden calves. Although Amos was from a town of the southern kingdom, God chose him to go to the northern kingdom to deliver his message of coming judgment. Some of that message was delivered in the corrupt city of Bethel, which was one of the sinners of the calf worship, and you see that in chapter 7, verse 10 through 17, the other city being Dan in the north. Remember, they had made the two cities, one in the north and one in the south, for convenience, and Bethel was the one in the south. The key word, let's look at the important data, page 204, 204. Key word is prepare to meet God. Key chapter, chapter 4, Climax of the message. The key verses, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And let's look at that for just a moment. It says, Hear this word of the Lord, word that the Lord has spoken against you, O people of Israel, against the whole family that I brought up out of the land of Egypt. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore I'll punish you for all your iniquities. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? And then chapter 4, verses 6 through 12 says this, I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I also withheld the rain from you when there were yet three months to the harvest. I would send rain on one city 
and send no rain on another. One field would have rain, and the field on which it did not rain would wither. So two or three cities would wander to another city to drink water and would not be satisfied. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I struck you with blight and mildew, your gardens and your vineyards, your fig trees, your olive trees, and the locusts devoured. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I sent among you a pestilence after the manner of Egypt. I killed your young men with sword and carried away your horses, and I made the stench of your camp go up into your nostrils. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I overthrew some of you as when God overthrew Solomon, Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were a brand plucked out of the burning. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Wow, what an amazing prophecy against them. Now the key characters within the book of Amos are Amos and Amaziah. And then the meaning is, well, it's the name of the prophet who wrote the book. The geography is the geography of the nation of Israel. Now, special considerations on Amos. We're still on page 204, the bottom of the right-hand column. The northern kingdom of Israel under Jeroboam II had become wealthy and prosperous. And because of the temporary balance of power, the, uh, the, they would be relatively free from war and enjoyed a peaceful situation. They had become brazen in their idolatry, and they were morally corrupt, as calf worship and Canaanite adultery were firmly established in the northern kingdom. Material prosperity only made matters worse. The people were characterized by wealth, moral laxity, and religious indifference. They just didn't care that they were not following what God had said. And it was the task of Amos, and then later Hosea, to try to stop wicked Israel from its plunge to ruin and turn the nation back to the Lord. He preached a potent message of reproof and judgment. And now let's summarize the book. Page 205, the right-hand column. First section of Amos's message, chapters 1 and 2, finds the prophet pronouncing judgment on six nations located around Israel. He pronounced judgment on those nations for their many sins, especially those that hurt Israel itself. The phrase for, for three transgressions and for four emphasizes the multiplicity of their sins. Why would Amos include the words of judgment in his message of warning against the nations? Well, he probably gave these short messages as a reminder to Israel that God was not blind to the sins of other nations, and that he was both sovereign and powerful over all the nations of the earth, and that he did remember and take seriously the covenant he made to Abraham. He said, I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, Genesis 12, 3. And the first section in the outline ends with a similar word of condemnation directed at the people of Judah, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, for their sinning in light of the knowledge of God's truth. Finally, there is a summary word of judgment against Israel herself for her many sins, especially her oppression of the righteous in the land. The second part of Amos's message, chapter three, verses uh, to verse chapter six, verse fifteen, is made up of three discourses, three sections that detail God's charges against Israel. Each message begins with the exhortation to hear. In the first discourse. Amos assures Israel that God's judgment is coming. He uses the idea of cause and effect. That is, 
Israel's sins are the cause of God's coming judgment. Then there's a second discourse where the prophet Amos describes the sinful luxury of the nation and the worthlessness of her religious activities. He reminds the people that God has been in the process of disciplining them for many years, but that so far they have not responded in a positive way. The kinds of disciplinary actions by the Lord were part of the conditions he set forth in the Mosaic Covenant. And you can look at Amos 4 and Leviticus 26 and compare those two sections. Because Israel had not responded in repentance, she, would, she was told to prepare to meet her God. And we read that in verse 12 of chapter 4. There's a third discourse. Amos speaks of the terrible, the terrible judgment and devastating nature of that judgment that's coming. His prophecies that he prophesies that only 10% of the people would be left in the land by the time it was all over. He invites Israelites to repent and serve the true God, warning them not to continue in idolatry. Then there's a third point in the outline of the book, this warning of judgment. And in it, Amos gives a series of five visions, chapter 7 through chapter 9, verse 10. Now the first two visions of a locust plague and then a devastating fire show the terrible nature of God's judgments, chapter 7, verse 1 through 6. But these judgments were averted through the intercession of the prophet. So Amos prays, and the judgments come to an end. The third vision is of a plumb line, a, a standard line, which reveals just how far off Israel was from God's standards. It reveals how much judgment was deserved. Now, the fourth vision was of a basket full of ripe fruit, and it emphasizes the imminency, the closeness, how near God's judgment was. Amos is saying, it's right upon you. The idea that God's judgment could not be delayed much longer. And judgment came upon Israel less than 40 years later. The final vision was of the smitten capitals, picturing the Lord striking the top of the false temple at Bethel. He struck it so hard that it trembled all over and then collapsed on, the, on those who were inside. This pictures the final and complete judgment of the northern kingdom. And the third main division of the book of Amos also includes some interesting historical records of a confrontation between God's prophet and Amaziah, a priest of Israel's false religion at Bethel. If nothing else, these verses clearly reveal that Amos and his message were not welcomed in the northern kingdom. And a fourth and final division of this prophecy is an encouraging word about the future restoration of Israel. Israel's assured in, ch in chapter 9, verses 11 through 15, that in the great future day of the Lord, the Davidic dynasty would be restored and Israel will return and live permanently in the land. The people will live in prosperity and blessing. Amos, like most of the prophets, includes a message of hope even in the midst of his prophecies of warning and judgment. And may the day of the Lord come that Christ may reign on the throne of David during the millennium. Quickly, Lord, please.